With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. And you always uh, have lots of accessories on. So he will always <laughs> have like a little cute hat. Yeah. And he always wants to have like a little scarf on his neck. Oh. So those like little things, I feel it's pretty bottomy to me. <laughs> right. Tops don't accessorize. No, no. <laughs> I mean, tops don't even wear clothes, right? You've reached the office of Trevor Campbell, and you made me queer. Please hold. And we're back. Hi, I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where I make like a Joe Montana free throw and go long. That's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. Why Joe Montana? Great question. My sports references begin and end with uh, The Simpsons circa 1996, 1995. So in my mind, Joe Montana is still playing football. Baseball players who were hot at the moment include Ken Griffey Jr., etc. This is kind of where I petered off. But for a while, I was really in the pocket. So before we move on to today's show, I just wanted to remind you that it is one week to the day, 24 hours times seven, do some real fast math, 140 plus 168 hours, potentially, away from You Made Me Queer's first ever live show in Toronto at Comedy Bar's Cabaret Space with the sensational, the smooth, the divine made tangible, huh? Amanda Cordner, one of the stars of CBC Comedy's hit show, Sort Of. It's going to be a very, very special night. It is at 8 p.m. at Comedy Bar. You can see me and Amanda in person talking about the joys of early childhood trauma. It will be funny. There will be prizes. There will be interactive elements. It's going to be a real sweet time. It's going to be recorded. So all the trash you shout at me Uh, will be archived, and it will affect your credit score. So if this interests you at all, please come. If it doesn't, as you were, this podcast is free. You are not required to translate your interest in this show into cold hard cash, read a comedy bar ticket. If you want to come, though, that would be great. I would like to see you there. I would like to share this moment with you Because doesn't teamwork make the dream work? Didn't someone tell me that at some point? Uh, There will be a fantastic prize pack featuring 
mysterious prize from Bellwoods Brewery. It's going to be great. If you don't drink, don't worry, because there will be prizes that accommodate you and your lifestyle. Because isn't that what queer folks are all about? Alternative lifestyles, your lifestyle choices, and things like that. Anyway, you can uh, buy these tickets if you go to comedybar.ca, click on shows, click on the Bloor Street location. That is where the show will be, not over in the Danforth. And then you can find tickets for the show, 8 p.m. Thursday, December 2nd. It's also a few weeks before my birthday. So I don't know, what am I getting at there? It's a way to honor my birth. Is that what I'm saying? It might be. I'll also accept money orders. Okay, thus ends my plug. I hope to see you there. But now let's move on to today's guests. That's right. I made it plural. My guests today are the duo known as Tokyo BTM. You may not know Tokyo BTM, but you may know Tokyo BTM. And if you do, you must be very excited right now. They are big queer monster YouTube vloggers based in Tokyo who are superstars, basically. They have about 50,000 subscribers, no big deal. Some of their videos have hundreds of thousands of views. I'm a big fan. Uh, Some of their video titles include, Is it hard to find friends in Japan? Japanese love hotels for cheap gays. Anything directed at a cheap gay uh, really sends my antenna straight up into the sky. And finally, we went to a lesbian bar in Shinjuku Nichome, which is sort of the gay village of Tokyo. I've mentioned this on the show before. You might remember I lived in Tokyo for almost four years and really, really loved it. Uh, living in Japan has a special place in my heart. So uh, these dudes are really speaking to my proverbial choir. If you didn't live in Japan, if you don't know where or what Japan is, that's okay too. Today's episode will be a lot of fun. So let's pick apart their very brief YouTube bio. Tokyo BTM is composed of Meng and Andrew. That's right. Two gay boys. Boys has quotations around it, which I appreciate. Originally hailing from China and Canada, who have lived in Japan for a number of years. A number. Keep us guessing. Don't tell us everything. That's how identity theft happens. Join us as we introduce what gay life and culture is like in Tokyo for both foreigners and Japanese alike. That's what their YouTube channel says. That's what I just said to you. Why are we going around in circles? I feel like we've been here before. Andrew and Meng are a lot of fun. They are very popular. They are very funny. They have a great interplay together. A lot of people think they're a couple. They say no. We talk about it in the interview. I still think they might be. And you know what? That's their business. That's their private business. It's not ours. But God bless them. A few notes about this episode. Meng and Andrew were in Tokyo. I was in Toronto. We made the time zone work. I recorded this at 6.30 a.m., nice and fresh before I toddled off to work. So uh, if I do anything that's not perfect and well executed, that's why. It's not my fault. It's the time. We also, as you can tell by Tokyo BTM, which stands for bottom, Andrew and Meng are both uh, card-carrying bottoms of their own description, So we use stereotypical terms like top, bottom, masculine, feminine, blah, blah, blah. What do any of those even mean anymore? 
I don't know. But what we do is we lean into them because we know them and sometimes we pick them apart. They mean different things to everyone. We're not being prescriptive. Uh, so please certainly bring your own definitions to the table. You do you. Tokyo BTM will do them. I'm turned on. How's everyone else doing? Also, in this conversation, I try and cite a news item involving Japan's Minister of Trade and high heel shoes. I bring it up, then I panic because I think I got it wrong. Then I say it was about glasses. This is not true. I conflated two news stories. I was actually right. Uh, so, this was about a petition that was started by some women in Japan who said, We do not want to be forced to have a dress code at work or to wear high heels to work, etc., etc. And the Minister of Trade responded with、uh, this pithy observation quote, It is socially accepted as something that falls within the realm of being occupationally necessary and appropriate about high heel shoes at work. So, you know, listen, it's an uphill climb sometimes, no matter where you are. Japan also gives us hot springs where it's socially acceptable to get same sex naked. So, listen, not every hit is a home run, is what I'm getting at. But enough of my preamble. Let's jump right into this because this was a lot of fun. You may remember I've had a two guest show before with my queens, Michael Lamenda and Caden Douglas, guests slash. Husbands slash Californians. It is a lot of voices in your ear for a podcast. We're doing it again. So, all three of us are going to whisk you away into some Tokyo BTM bliss. Are you ready? Just breathe. It's going to be fine. Anyway, this is my conversation with the ones, the onlys, Andrew and Mang, aka Tokyo BTM. Ooh, okay, I got a notification. So I just click on got it, right? Yes. So now you are being recorded. So be very careful with what you say. <laughs> <laughs> so you're both in Tokyo, right? As the name suggests? Yes, we are. I am currently speaking to you from Toronto, Canada. And we have not had snow yet in Toronto. But yesterday, north of the city, I had a colleague who saw snow. And I was horrified.、Uh, well, enjoy it. I know that it'll be there until May when it comes. How、so、dare you? <laughs> I lived in Toronto for three years and it was like terrible that it would just be winter, 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 two weeks of spring, summer. I mean, you're not wrong. It is kind of like November and it's cute till January. And then,、uh, you know, all the decorations come down or whatever and it's just、yeah. dirt and slush until April, I guess.、And、if you're lucky, April. Yeah. But yeah, sure. We'll say, we'll say April. Just Give me that. I'll, give, I'll, I'll, I'll try and make you feel better about it. Sure, April. That's fine. Meng, what's your relationship with snow?、Um, actually, not so much because、uh, when I was living in China, I never really have any snow like back in my、uh, city, only maybe like once in three years. And also, I lived in California, Los Angeles for <gasps> seven years. So that area just like definitely no snow. Yeah. And also in Hawaii for one year. Oh my gosh.、Um, so, Yeah, not, not so often for me. Okay, so you're like a tropical flower. Yeah, I love the heat. I don't like cold. Man, you know what? I, I get it. When I lived, I was in Tokyo for like three and a half years ish. And I remember, I think I saw snow, just saw it once. And by the time it touched the ground,
and it was gone. And of course, everyone was losing their mind because it was pretty rare in Tokyo, but it never went below one degree or zero degrees,、mm. which to me is appropriate. Anywhere else is unholy. Right. Yeah. I think the problem with Tokyo, though, is that because of that, their buildings are very, the walls are very thin. Yes. Because they don't think they really need to build something to insulate against the cold because it doesn't get that cold in Tokyo, which is. True to an extent, but yeah, sometimes it can get really cold inside, unfortunately. Yeah, I know because a lot of the like heat tech and a lot of things you can wear because you have to wear your warm clothes the whole day. Whereas in Canada, at least in Toronto in the winter, you wear nine coats, and as soon as you get inside, you peel off everything and then you're in a t shirt or something. Yep, that's how that's how that how Canadians like to roll, and that's probably like I know almost nothing about science, but that's like your body. In a constant state of like, what temperature is it? Which is probably not good for your health. Yeah, there are things where I don't know where it was. Well, I guess sometimes they say this about Japan too. Like when it gets really hot here and you go into department stores and it's freezing、yeah. because they have the air cons on.、Um, people, yeah, I've read places that they say that that can't really be good for your health or body because you know, of the extreme changes. But I don't know. I'd rather still be walking in a very warm house as opposed to coming inside and still being cold. I know. I know. It's funny. When I was growing up, my mom cranked the air conditioner. So I have such like a、uh, trauma response to <laughs> aircon where I like, I kind of hate it in general. Oh. I mean, I, I think probably makes similar, but. I don't, I think we're less affected by the heat. So I don't, I use it in the like when it's really hot, but in general, I don't use my air conditioning as much as other people. So,、mm, yeah, I don't like the AC either. Yeah, it feels a bit too concentrated. There's some, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's, you know, Corona's taking us all down. So none of this stuff matters anymore. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> this is our last winter and our last summer. No, I have to be able to travel to Thailand one more time at least before Corona takes me. Yes. No, we're fine. We're fine. And I do want to say this is very exciting for me because I have had two guests on the show simultaneously before from slightly different spots in their same house, but they were married. And so you guys have a, quite a high dynamic I need you to fill today. Oh, okay. Well, we'll do our best. I'm sure we can tag. <laughs> I know you're not married, but I know there's often because you have this enormous YouTube channel and you do everything together. So I know there's often speculation that there's romance. <laughs> I, I imagine some people want to, want to see it. They, I, people ship us in the comments, I guess, occasionally. <laughs> not anymore. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. Not、it、anymore. At the start, it was more. That's true. Yeah. For this half a year, like, I haven't seen any. Really? So far, none. Maybe people have given up on it. You've had to make a few public statements about it, though, I've seen. I mean, apparently so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, like, <laughs> we're just being very, like, bitchy to each other. So, like, people just. Know that we are probably not dating. <laughs> I was going to say that looks like a relationship. That's what I was going to say too. That looks much more like a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Just like constant cutting remarks. <laughs> I did, I did remember, or I do remember some comments. I don't, yeah, maybe it was a while ago. Someone coming in and, and wondering if we were a couple. And then our viewers were the ones responding, being like, no, they're just friends. Yes. <laughs> Sick the <laughs>、so、fans on them. Yeah. <laughs> 
But was there ever a flirty moment? Like, what's the origin story? How did you two meet in the first place? Meng, do you remember? Um, actually, we answered in one of our Q and A uh, session. Mm-hmm. Both of us didn't remember at all. I still don't remember. <laughs> yeah, amazing. But we met each other um, through a mutual friend. Uh, he also appeared on our channel. His name is Paris. Mm. So Andrew knew him like ten years ago back then, and also he went back to Canada and also worked in London. I mean, Andrew. Oh. Mm-hmm. And during this period of time, he's away. Uh, he was away. I was, uh, you know, becoming very close to Paris. So Andrew was one of his best friends 10 years ago. And he, Andrew came back like pretty recently or four or five years ago. Andrew, I don't remember. Was it four or five? It's about four, yeah. So then uh, we just you know, start hanging out together. And we actually spend lots of time doing like D&D together. Oh, like Dungeons and Dragons role-playing. Yeah. Yeah. So like each weekend we'll gather, well, like once in a month, right? We'll spend like a very solid six hours together at Andrew's house. And Andrew will serve us tea and snacks. So it was very fun. Okay. Yeah. Then we became very, very close. Whoa, so really the origin story kind of is is tabletop role-playing games. Yeah. I won't say that was the very beginning because we <laughs> did went to several parties together. Do you okay. remember? We definitely like went to some circuit party in Tokyo, like oh, yeah. the Hilton one. Yeah. But White I party. only saw him very briefly. Like I didn't know him very well. I was like, mm-hmm. who's this new guy? You know, like, mm-hmm. and he definitely served like a bottom vibe and I just didn't <laughs> click with him very well. Okay. You know? Wait, like, so. I don't need it. Yeah. Don't steal away from. <laughs> my tops and this and that so that's right what is so what is this vibe because i know you know famously okay and correct me because i call your channel tokyo btm right that is correct good job should i be saying tokyo bottom no no it should be tokyo btm okay great i feel very smart you are so obviously you know you famously talk about being bottoms so what is this bottom vibe how do you sense it across the room okay Andrew always uh, have lots of accessories on. So he will always have like a little cute hat. Yeah. And he always wants to have like a little scarf on his neck. So those like little things, I feel it's pretty bottomy to me. (laughs) Right. Tops don't accessorize. No, no. Tops, I mean, tops don't even wear clothes, right? They just come in, you know, with their their big, you know, muscular upper body and that's about it. So perfunctory. If we're, if we're going to be extremely, you know, paint with a broad brush and be extremely general. <laughs> That's right. Hit the stereotype. So I think this is the perfect segue because we've hit on two points. One, extreme stereotypes. Mm. And two, deeply traumatic suppressed memories about origin stories that you can no longer recall. And that brings us to what <laughs> I do on this show. So, you know, of course, now we know we are internationally regarded media personalities about the world. We have our own microphones. Andrew has a brand new microphone. Mm. We can basically do anything we want. But when we were younger, of course, we had to depend on the people around us and what we heard. And at the time, we were hearing sort of whispers that things could make you queer. Sometimes you'd see on the news, you know, if you listen to certain music, if you buy certain clothes, parents had to be careful that their children did not become big queer monsters. But unfortunately for us, we got it wrong. We sure did. (laughs) We didn't listen. We didn't listen, obviously. I know. We tried. But that's why I brought you here today, because now uh, as adults, we get a chance to look back and blame things because we are in a position of beautiful power. So that's why I've called you today, Tokyo BTM, Andrew and Meng. I really want to know and my listeners want to know who and or what made you queer? Ooh, 
who wants to go first? <laughs> go for it, man. Yeah, go for it. Well, I feel like I'm stealing away your um, spotlight. Should I go first? There's enough spotlight for everyone. Okay. Yeah. Like, actually, Andrew knows about it. I love the movie Batman and Robin. <gasps> Whoa. 1997. Chris O'Donnell and George Clooney? No, that was the, um, you know, Alicia Silverstone. And also, who, who's the Batman over there? I don't I don't even remember the Batman. I think it was George Clooney. Val Kilmer? Oh. Oh, hold on. Oh, Which I one? Know. I don't know. Which one was this? If it was Poison Ivy, that means that, uh, what's his name? Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger was the other bad guy, right? Uh, that's oh, sounds- yes, yes. Oh, yeah, he was Mr. Freeze. Yes, yeah. Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Yeah, George Clooney. I was right. George Clooney was Batman. Yeah. And Chris O'Donnell was Robin. Chris O'Donnell, yeah. Yeah. I-, I feel like that movie is just so sexual. Like, I love Poison Ivy. I love their armors as well. Like, you can see the dick shape. You can see, like, <laughs> massive, yeah. like, chest plate yeah. and everything. Actually, uh, like I think two years ago, I watched it. Uh, I watched it again at Andrew's house together with Andrew, mm-hmm. and it was so good. I remember watching that as a child, and those uh, like body hugging armor, or like obviously molded because he does not look like that. But also for me, it was the super cut jaws because they have those stubbly jaws. Definitely, yeah, it was very manly, right? <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I see. Like I was very attracted to the person who was um, Robin. Yes. I thought he was super hot. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're more of a Robin kind of guy. Well, I feel like Robin in that movie popped more than Batman. And also Poison Ivy. That's what I thought. Yeah, Uma Thurman, right? Yes. So hot. Interesting though. Okay, so so Robin was the standout for you. Do you like a bit of a sidekick vibe? Mang likes his tops like that. Okay, like what? Like... The Robins of tops. <laughs> the Robins of tops. Like I don't think I don't think men like the I don't think you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, of course, man. But I don't think you really like the hyper masculine tops. Uh, sometimes not I- to say that Robin's not masculine. I'm just saying like the Robin. You know, a little bit of a step down from the Batman. <laughs> right. I am maybe I do like a more uh, youthful kind of like energy. Oh, so like. Batman is like true ultra male. Yeah. But I feel Robin is a little bit toned down, like kind of like a boyish character. So that's what I like about it. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I was really small. Yeah. So Batman has that big alpha energy. But Robin, from what I remember, is like a bit quippier, a bit funnier, sort of like um, <laughs> the, the top next door, if we're going with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like that. Okay. Like a jock, right? Is that how you describe no, it? I don't think I don't know if Robin's a jock. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, I mean, it's funny because they're all ripped as hell. But yeah, he's well, yeah. a bit. He's like the nerdy ripped one. He might be on the swim team, maybe. Yes, he, that's exactly it. Not on the football team. I see. He's on the swim team. Yeah, and also like uh, even Alicia Silverstone's uh, Batgirl was a really like she was very sexy and she was like super cute in that film. Yeah. So I saw like I yeah I wanted to be her. So I think it was kind of like also a gay awakening moment for me. <laughs> and how old were you at this time? I was um, uh, in elementary school. So probably like eight, nine was very young. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because it's a lot of like tight steel outfits and like spandex leggings to deal with as a child. Right. So it was just like not even maybe not like made me gay, but <laughs> made me realize the beauty of sex, you know, Ooh. kind of like <laughs> very sexualized, you know, yes. armors and characters and definitely Poison Ivy was also very 
sexy and seductive for, uh, throughout the whole movie. So yeah, it was one of my favorite movies. Absolutely. And so I know Halloween is still growing up in Tokyo or in Japan, but have you ever dressed up like any of those four characters? Oh, actually this year was our first time doing Halloween together. <sighs> and I took it very seriously. We yes. both were in drag. Oh. So we actually uploaded a video, I think two weeks ago okay. um, about our doing Halloween. And I was Poison Ivy. I finally oh, fulfilled my yeah childhood dream and become poison ivy and did you feel as sexy as you imagined it being when you were a little kid i did actually i i think i looked amazing yes. and also i i love the character so it was very fun to like impersonate or like embody yes uh, the seductive figure figure that i always wanted to be yeah and did you run into any robins that night in your poison ivy <laughs> costume i don't think so i think we finished too early because uh. we were eyeing like heels so it was so painful and I, we actually got a lot of attention <laughs> oh. uh, in Shibuya, yeah. which is like the center for um, people gathering around and show off their you know, costumes or cosplays uh, for Halloween. But we got a little bit overwhelmed like very early in the evening. Mm -hmm. So we left super early. Um, <laughs> I think after that, like people started to show like show up. Yeah. So maybe missed opportunity. Price of fame and heels. But Andrew, what were you dressed as? So I didn't embody a particular character. I just tried to, I guess, create a drag persona. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what, what did one of the girls who saw me on the street call me? She called me like a, I looked like a goth girlfriend. So I was going <laughs> I for a little bit edgier sort of girl with, you know, fishnet stockings and and uh, ripped tights uh, wrapped around my arms and stuff like that. And kind yes. of like that. Yeah. A little I thought bit you of, were uh, doing Janice from Mean Girls. I did really, I, I mean, we'll have to let the, the viewers and the listeners decide on that. Some people were saying I looked like Janice from yeah, Mean Girls. Yes. I, I mean, Janice is, fine. Janice is fine. Yeah, I looked good. Why not? So if you're listening, because of course this is a podcast and you cannot see anything, but go watch these videos and decide for yourself. Does Andrew look like a mean girl, a goth girl, something else altogether? Exactly. There's yeah, and just let us know in the comments. You defined the character. What trend? I defined it. But yeah, people were people were really enjoying it. I think it was nice to have um, you know, Meng was a character that people could identify with insofar as uh like they just they recognized Poison Ivy and that was fun. And then for me, it was just kind of like seeing like how a gay boy dresses up as what he perceives, you know, right. is a woman, you know what I mean? Which is like full of stereotypes and all that stuff as well. So yeah. I think it was a, it was an interesting to have us both in different aspects, because I think if we were both doing the same thing, we wouldn't have such a contrast. Yes. Category is first time in heels. Exactly. Have you guys worn heels before? Not for that long. No, I, uh, I mean, I've put them on and sure, then, you sure. know, walked around the living room like once or twice and like, okay, but like going out on like concrete and like asphalt and walking along for hours, it was definitely, it was my first time and I did not enjoy that. So yeah, like sometimes if I wear the wrong sneakers, I'm like, oh, this is such a chore hobbling around. I cannot imagine anyone listening who wears high heels or any kind of tall shoe for that matter. We salute you fully. I was just like the whole time I, I really felt 
simultaneously sorry for women and respecting them to a certain degree that I never even thought, you know, like these shoes, how the fuck are you doing? Are you doing that on a daily basis? Like I cannot, I cannot imagine. So, um, I, I want to say I feel your pain, but I don't because I only did it for two hours. So I, can, <laughs> a, I really salute, I really salute all of all of the people who wear heels. Yeah, totally right. You felt the pain past tense because you're not doing it now. But also, Japan has a tricky relationship with heels because when I just at the time when I was leaving, there was a big news story where I think um, the female workforce was like, hey, we don't want to wear heels to work. And I think like the minister of trade was like, no, uh, you have to wear heels. <laughs> like gavel on the board, we're done. Oh, really? I actually never heard of that. Or, and maybe it was glasses. They can't wear glasses. It was just about looking smoking hot in a stereotypical way. Mm, I feel like even though Japan, there have like lots of changes in law, but the social standard or the expectation from like, the people surround you can also be like a restriction for how women should act or how women should, you know, walk on the street. Um, like basically in Japan, you see women always wear makeups all the time mm. because the society, you know, there's no rule like on paper saying like you have to wear makeup, but it's just like, what is the, uh, the society standard for women? So mm. they have those like invisible rules like apply to different genders, different sexuality or yeah, it's quite different from the Western world, I think. One thing I also noticed when I was going into the office, my female co-workers would have like a locker for their high heels. So they would come all dressed up in, in yeah, makeup and all that, you know, as Ming was saying, and then they would have these really comfortable sneakers on <laughs> and then they would get to the office and the juxtaposition between the two styles was always fascinating uh, to see. And then, yeah, they would take them off and then put on the heels that they had stored in the locker and wear that for the rest of the day. So I always yes. thought, when I, yeah, that that was quite interesting. I mean, I do that too with my <laughs> men's stuff as well. But oh. yeah, I will wear like sneak a sneaker on the train and I have another pair of shoes in the office I will just change into it when I have to talk to the clients oh gotcha your nice shiny office shoes yes I like that maybe I should get a second a pair of destination shoes you can have sandals in certain places and you know on the beach and you can <laughs> yes. have your dance shoes you know in a locker somewhere close to the club that's a great idea I should just position shoes throughout the city and then as I go there I can switch maybe I'll do that with full outfits anyway we digress you made me queer. We'll be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now back to more You Made Me Queer. You made me queer. So Meng, we've heard about Batman and Robin. It was a very sexy, armor-clad time. And Andrew, what about you? I feel like there were so many ways, so many things that made me queer. But I guess two areas stand out to me at the moment. And one was um, a lot of the shows I was watching. So when I was younger... I was watching a lot of uh, X-Men, which I think mm -hmm. even, I think it's quite queer in a lot of its um, storytelling, but it's, it is, I guess, not queer in, in, in its depiction as much as other things. But um, 
there are things like if you think about it like she-ra do you remember she-ra did you ever see the oh, original yeah, she-ra that, from the 80s yes the original she-ra cartoon um sister was she the sister of he-man yes so it's interesting because i was always exposed like i have a brother so i was always exposed to yeah the shows that were majorly for the guys like like he-man right for the boys and in the 80s cartoons were really gender coded totally gender coded but he-man <laughs> was boring as fuck to be entirely honest it was yeah. so boring and i think i can't exactly remember how it worked but i think like after he-man she-ra would come on or something like that and i was enamored with she-ra and if you look at like when she transforms like all the all the colors and like the power and everything was much cooler than he-man and i remember always watching thinking like she-ra's transformation was fabulous you know so looking back on that now i think like oh i guess even back when i was younger there were things going on that I was unaware of, you know? Then after that, I started watching, uh, you know, Sailor Moon when I was older. I was going to say, like, talk about beautiful transformation sequences. Yeah, like, why wasn't I not, why wasn't I watching Dragon Ball Z, you know? Um, I love Dragon Ball Z, though. (laughs) And to be fair, yes, I did like both. Yeah, me too. Like, I think there is space for both, but when I was pulled in one direction Mm -hmm. towards Sailor Moon, I think looking back in that, I'm like, oh, okay, there there was an... I mean, Sailor Moon, again, I think is also for all audiences. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you can see, I think we're supposed to, as boys, we're supposed to watch He-Man. We're supposed to watch Dragon Ball. Yeah. So when you're pulled towards a show that you're kind of going to be made fun of for watching, which I was, not so much She-Ra, because I was a kid, no one knew, but Sailor Moon for sure. But even in that environment, you're still watching it. I think that that says something. Yeah. And I think especially in the, you know, 80s, 90s or whatever, as a child, you have very few ways to sort of, you're not really listening to music so much yet. So one of the big ways you identify with media, which is such a big part of your life, potentially, is through, yeah, like the cartoons you stand, basically. Yeah. It's like how you find your group of friends or who you talk to or kind of the first archetypes you start to model yourself off of. And so the ones you choose, I think, are very interesting. And I think all the, I mean, a lot of the stories, too, for kids, X-Men, Sailor Moon, they're all these you know, mild-mannered folks who have a secret identity that they can only reveal to certain people. Yeah. And then every now and then they get to become fabulous and be who they truly are and save the day. Like, what queer kid could not relate to that? Well, I I don't know if you've ever heard about the story about Rogue from X-Men. Tell us. How she, her... Okay, and now I have to preface this. I don't know if this is true. (laughs) I don't know if this is just... If this is just a coincidence um, and people sort of read into it too much, but I find the legend whatever it is very interesting is that rogue was invented in the 80s right around the time that the hiv aids crisis came about ah. and the story goes that her character and her powers and everything is a reflection of that and at that time so that's why she can't touch anyone without gloves oh because if she touches them in the in the story if she touches them they die or she sucks their energy out yeah yeah and so she can't have and she can't it's very much no glove no love right right So she can't kiss anyone right and every time she has to be intimate with someone it has to be with gloves which are representative of condoms that makes a lot of sense yeah so again i don't know if someone just read into that and saw coincident like co- like coincidentally that these these connections no we're saying it's fact yeah well, i mean and if you look at x men in general as you were saying these they're shamed for who they are you know so i think yeah as a as a queer kid watching stories like that 
they touch you on a level that perhaps you're not even aware of at the time. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there's something animal in it where you're like, I relate to this and I'm not sure how because I'm eight in a suburb or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And then there was another thing I think I thought of was, um, do you remember the show Home Improvement? Oh, with Tim Allen and Patricia Richardson yeah. and JTT. Yes, JTT. So that's that's so JTT. I think was one of my earliest crushes without knowing that he was a crush. Okay, and now folks again cannot see us. Uh, Meng has a gorgeous head of hair. Andrew and I go for more of a streamlined look. We sure do. But JTT is famous for having like a big sandy mop. Oh. Did you ever have hair like that? Uh, yeah, when I was younger, when I had hair. Yes, yeah. yes, of course. It was a lot more like JTT. Perfect. Yeah. And I don't know, Bing, do you know who JTT is? Jonathan Taylor Thomas? I have no idea. Oh, so hot. Okay. <laughs> Talk us through. You have to show me next time. He was also the voice of... Um, Simba. Child Simba in The Lion King. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cute. So... Jonathan Taylor Thomas was every like eight year old girl and boy and gay boy. Yeah. <laughs> and gay boy fantasy. Uh, growing up, there was this show called Home Improvement. I don't know if that was his breakout show, I think but so. it, he was quite famous in it. And he was one of the kids in this family, and it was a sitcom. And um, he was obviously the like cutest of that sounds mean but anyways he was the cutest of all the the brothers <laughs> um people are going to come for me for that and usually the middle one's not like if yeah. you think about brady bunch or something we're making weird references but the middle sibling is usually the sort of awkward one awkward one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it was flipped he and yeah he had that hair and he had he was um Oh, now English, I'm, I don't know the right word. Uh, I want to say in Japanese to, so that men can understand. He had like a charai aspect to him. What's charai? Even as a kid, like kind of charai is like, uh, men, what's charai? Playboy-ish, right? Like a bad boy. Ah, uh, like, okay, like kind of naughty. Naughty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even yeah. though he was like a kid, he had that sort of, like you had the youngest one who was like super nerdy and, and relatively in innocent. And then you had the older one, I think he tried to be the bad boy, but failed. And then JTT was actually the real one who would yeah. play the tricks and do all that stuff and, and get away with stuff and hide stuff. And so he had this... Uh, flair i guess to him actually meng i think you would really like him because he's got some like big robin beta energy oh yeah he does ah i see he really has that robin energy but he did accessorize so maybe he's not your jam <laughs> <laughs> i need to watch some media of him to judge <laughs> yeah yeah that's your homework yeah so there was uh jtt and i i at the time i had no idea i was gay sure. i didn't know until I was in my teens, but I remember being extremely excited to watch Home Improvement. <laughs> so, like, I look back on that, like, it's Home Improvement time, and I was always excited to see <laughs> in a way that I wasn't really with other shows. So if I look back, I'm like, yeah. I just love construction and home repairs and, and man caves. And people grunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean... Let's be honest, it wasn't that great of a show otherwise. So. Well, it's funny because that, like, Tim Allen's character was this hyper-masculine, like, it, and it wasn't a satire because I think a lot of people watching it were, it was like this guy who's just like, yeah, I can't do feminine stuff. I'm too, too manly and drinking beer and in a way that really, like, nothing about that spoke to me. But a lot of my friends were girls when I was in grade school. And we had in Canada these teen magazines called things like YM, what else were they like tiger beat stuff like that oh yeah tiger beat yeah. oh yeah and so you're hanging out with the girls and so you're just like begrudgingly okay i guess i'll read why i'm with you slash let's get started and jtt was always all over those magazines always on that and you know another person who i remember i think i don't know how i did this 
at some point in junior high, I don't think I still, cause I had a lot of girlfriends as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, we had those magazines. So I would like go over to their house and we would look at the magazines and do those stupid, like, um, astrology tests and stuff like that. <laughs> stupid. Stupid. Uh, <laughs> I remember there was this pullout of Scott Wolf. Do you remember Scott Wolf? Oh my God. From party of five. Party of five. Scott Wolf was so hot. Sorry, Meng. So sorry. If you're not familiar with these shows, we're nerding out. Uh, no problem. You guys go ahead. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> uh, Meng, I, I also think he would be your type in that Robin aesthetic. Yes. Uh, you guys have the same type. Yeah, I guess, huh? We have like a sheer type, but we also have our separate types as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's like those um, uh, two two circles that have parts overlapping, but yes. then there's the, the other side of the circle that doesn't match. I think that's probably a good way to look at it. Yeah. You share a little sliver. And Meng, also Party of Five had Nev Campbell from Scream. If you know the Scream movies. Like the horror movie? Yeah. Who I also think you would love. I mean, she's a bottom. <laughs> she was sexy. <laughs> Nan Campbell is sexy. She's gorgeous and Canadian. Are you Googling him? I, I am Googling him. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, white boys. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. know. Actually, you know what? Actually, I told Andrew about something. It's kind of, I'm not sure if it's appropriate for the show. Go for it. Sometimes I can't tell if a white person is attractive or not. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what is the thought when you're not sure? Well, because I feel like most of you guys were, I feel like most of the Westerners are considered beautiful to Asian people. But then I feel like for like, Caucasians, you guys have your own standard. So sometimes <laughs> someone like I feel is hot, like Angie would say, like he's kind of like just regular or like a, a normal dude. And I was like, oh my, but, but but he looks super hot. So yeah, Andrew, do you remember those like conversation I had with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He always wonders and then asks me, like, well, what what is the standard here that they're not meeting or <laughs> something like that? <laughs> I don't know. Like it's an interesting exercise for me because it actually allows me to look at our my own unconscious bias and like our cultural biases in that way that I don't think of actively in that way. So Meng, you're like, I'm attracted to this person, but I want to know objectively, like, <laughs> is he going to be considered hot at a universal level? Yeah, sometimes like you wonder, like, well, I don't want to be superficial, but where you compare, for example, like two artists. Oh, I see. Like you don't want to accidentally slum it and go with someone who's not up to your level of beauty. Well, it's not like that. It's just sometimes like me and Andrew is just chatting and I will say, oh my gosh, she looks super hot. But Andrew would be like, but she's kind of like just uh, hot to like bring to your mom. Is that how you <laughs> phrase it? Like, <laughs> for example, like I would say, uh, sometimes we talk about, you know, uh, Britney Spears because mm -hmm. Andrew is a huge fan of Britney. Yes, free Britney. She's out. She's out, yes. She is out. Congratulations. <laughs> Happy. Britney may be gay too. I mean, Oh my God. And Britney's a big fan of the show. So thanks for listening, Britney. Anyway, man, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love, uh, I love Britney too. But I was, you know, Britney was like the character Andrew always treated uh, as, treat her as a goddess. Mm. But I, sometimes I can tell is... Anne Hathaway hotter, or Brandy hotter, or is Taylor Swift hotter, or Brandy hotter? <laughs> that's what it is, is he'll bring up Taylor Swift and start comparing Taylor Swift to Britney. And yeah. that's when I go off and I'm like, absolutely not. You cannot. And he doesn't <laughs> understand the difference between Britney and Taylor Swift. I'm not saying Taylor, Taylor Swift is gorgeous in her own right, but it's very, it's a very different very different type of beauty. Listen, we're all horses in our own race. We all win first prize. Uh, you cannot compare the Taylor Swifts and the Britneys of the world, certainly not the Anne Hathaways, because I mean, let's be honest, 
she if anyone's getting a bronze medal, then I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's beautiful. Right. And and who cares? But I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Then we were talk about, you know, guys as well. For example, like me and Andrew sometimes because we live in Asia and also I'm I'm Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sometimes on the street, we're just like, oh, he's hot and he's not. And Andrew, like this hairstyle doesn't like that hairstyle. So sometimes we would discuss like those very kind of like gay sisters, superficial yeah. and talking about like in the high school, you know, talk about <laughs> boy. So uh, yeah, sometimes like I can't tell who's hot, who's not. For Yeah, I, know. I do know what you mean because they, sometimes there were cultural conventions. I mean, like living abroad at different places where you'd see a look that people really fond over and I'd be like, that's, that really does not do it for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I think, I mean, it's also, it's a product of time too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're looking at things from what was hot in the 80s, hairstylers and that, right? It's all about time, but it's also place as well. Like, Yes, it's true. Talk about overlapping circles, right? So uh, Andrew, you dropped two great things. Meng, you've just said Batman and Robin so far. Is there anything else you want to add? I mean, I also loved, uh, actually, I never watched Sailor Moon, but <gasps> I... Try to watch Sailor Moon, but I was forbidden. Oh, by who? By um, my parents or people around me. They were like, they told me this is for girl, not mm-hmm. for boys. So it was like, uh, you know, gender labeled in China back then. So I, I could only watch certain anime, but not like, you know, not Sailor Moon. So um, I, I saw the transformation once and I was so amazed by it. I was like, oh my God, this is, I want to be that supermodel, like this, <laughs> this like little staff and can transform into a princess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always wanted that, but not until I was seeing, I think later elementary, maybe uh, sixth grade or maybe even seventh grade. Um, then, you know, cat cup, uh, card captor Sakura came out. Ooh. Yeah. So that one kind of like give me the chance. I have more personal freedom. Yeah. Um, so I think that was kind of like my my sailor move was card captor Sakura. I'm not familiar with that. What's the the basic idea? It's just like another magic girl that Perfect. she has a thousand different outfits and <laughs> like a little cat just like Luna. Yes. You know, it's magic girls. Oh, I'm glad you finally got a chance to find that because that's funny. I mean, I certainly had those experiences. I remember once as a kid in the third grade, which is about eight years old in Canada, reading this book. I just grabbed a book from like our classroom library and uh, the teacher coming over and taking it out of my hands and being like, you need to choose another book. But she wouldn't even say why. Mm -hmm. But I remember it was just a book just about girl characters. I mean, it's not like they're having sex in it. Nothing about it was sexually coded. Yeah. But she was just like, ooh. Like same for me, like growing up, I got so much like femme shamed because I'm not the most like muscular person, masculine person. Mm. And my parents would be like, oh, why are you acting so disgustingly? Like, why you act like a girl? You should like play sports and man up. So I was constantly, you know, under pressure to have to be more manly, but which I can because I have bottom DNA. So (laughs) (laughs) that's right. It's genetically coded. (laughs) Yes. I probably should blame my parents for giving me bottom DNA. Why not? (laughs) That's a great thing to blame. We're blaming your parents. Yeah. Yeah. What made me gay? (laughs) Yeah. Science. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that's funny. Hey, you just, you know, kids know who they are. When you get out of the way, mm. they will be themselves. And like, what could be, what could be more beautiful than that? Or on the other hand, what can cause more trauma than 
constantly denying kids things and not explaining why. Yeah, I mean, they, my parents lived in a very different generation. And sure. also they probably wanted wanted to protect me. If I act very girly, I probably get bullied in school or being misunderstood by the people. So I don't really, you know, blame them, blame them. But mm-hmm. I do feel like I'm not enough. And also me and Andrew constantly sharing that how we are not comfortable, like show our, you know, feminine sides. Mm-hmm. Even like trying drag was kind of like a very, uh, it wasn't difficult, but like we always wanted to do, but we were a little bit afraid. Andrew, how do you describe it? Yeah, or hes- hesitant. and Hesitant, yeah. It's, it's hard. It, there's, a, there's a scene actually where we're crossing the famous uh, Shibuya crossing the, where like thousands of people cross the road at once. Mm-hmm. And we're doing this scene where we're crossing and trying to look fabulous. And we do. But even then there was an element of, for, for me, I can, I mean, I'll speak on my experience where I wanted to go farther. I wanted to go mm-hmm. more. I wanted to really fem it up. And what I accomplished was really what I was my max. Mm-hmm. at that time because still there there are things like I was I got in drag I was very proud of myself I, I went I took the fucking train in drag like yes I, I, I did a lot of things that night that pushed me out of my comfort zone and I was very proud of that having said that you can still see the comfort zone holding me back you know what I mean there was still that element there uh that yeah holding back from really truly blossoming I guess into a full-fledged drag queen And I think that's really interesting because like I have a podcast with the word queer in the name and my big head is next to a disco ball. And you guys famously have a YouTube channel where you, you know, it's it's rainbow flags and Tokyo BTM and talking about big bottom energy all the time. And so I think the the aura that's given off is, okay, like you've, you've come into your own. You must be very comfortable with X, Y, and Z. But Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm in my 30s now, and there is so much to unpack. And there's so many things coded into us, you know, not to be femme, not to be whatever, that take a long time to work through. Yeah, I think even uh, recently, we were talking about like sexual health the other day, Mm -hmm. and sexual habits, and this and that in a video that we haven't released yet. But even in that as well, it's a it's a daily struggle, at least for me to be sexually positive Mm -hmm. and to be proud of who I am, not only as a gay person, but also uh, like sexually, like to enjoy the experience while simultaneously reminding myself to be sexually positive and that it is okay because it has been told to me and probably to pretty much everyone else my whole life uh, that you can't do this because you're going to be a whore, you're going to be a slut. And I can, and that's even as a man, I know it's even worse for women. You know what I mean? Right. And there are things about being femme and there's a th- things about being bottoms. And I think there's a negative stigma in the gay community for bottoms in general. So it's this thing where on a daily basis, we're trying to be really positive for the channel because intellectually in my head, I know what we're talking about is like the truth, like it, we we should feel positive and it is okay and all this stuff. But inevitably, somewhere in our hearts or our soul or whatever, there's that trauma or damage or bad memories that still have some hold over us. And for me, it's a daily struggle to remind myself 
to break out of that, you know? Yeah. And that's why I love going hard with it. Sort of like the way you've, the, the videos you produce and the way you, you both have styled yourselves. It's just so, I don't know I, the way it's so unapologetic. And you know, if it was called Tokyo tops, it'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Tops. But something about it being Tokyo BTM, like, I think it's kind of just taking like the joy and ownership over something that has been maligned so much and making it so freaking fabulous and fun does that. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure it feels like a struggle sometimes, maybe for both of you, but I think it has a very positive effect. Well, thank you. We hope so. Yeah. Go out there and have sex, folks. Safely. Go have sex and <laughs> your mask. Be, be the fabulous bottoms that you are. Yes. Have your transformation sequence, put on a couple bracelets, wear your office <laughs> yeah. shoes and, uh, yes. you know, go for it. Wear a scarf because Andrew like a little scarf. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Have you ever seen the Iron Man transformation to Sailor Moon music and style? Wait, Iron Man becomes Sailor Moon? Yeah, so you know how Iron Man in like the Marvel movies does it really like hyper-masculine sort of all his armor flies on, like collects on him and he looks like super badass and super alpha? Yeah. Someone, someone made a fan version of what it would actually look like if he were transforming like Sailor Moon. <laughs> and it is everything. Oh my God. It's like both of you getting ready for Halloween. That's exactly what it is. That's like us getting ready for a date, essentially. So I want to talk to you so much more. Uh, I wish that I could, but our time is running out. So before we move on to our uh, Tokyo goodbyes, Toronto goodbyes, do you want to play a game? Yes, sure. Great. Okay. <laughs> So this game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Queerest. Okay. I'm going to give you three things. You need to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. Okay. Okay. Because we're doing this with two people, I'm going to list the things you think in your head of your order, and then we're going to compare. Okay. So think, think about it first and then hold. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. Thing number one, the Milky Mascot Girl. You know Milky Candies, the little girl? The redheaded girl. Is she redheaded? She's got like sort of brown hair. She wears those. Um, She kind of looks like the robot from a squid game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's always licking her lips. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got her. Uh, thing number two, performative public announcements. For example, uh, in Tokyo, famously, that time uh, recently, a train was late by like a second. Oh. And someone made a public performative announcement to be like oh well we're so sorry it's so humiliating or you know like that coworker who's like attention everyone uh i'm not eating dairy this week so please don't offer me anything with dairy like it's just kind of a bit it's a it's tmi mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay thing number three so this is both the thing and the procedure but the way you put icing on a mont blanc Oh my god. Oh, what does a Mont Blanc look like? Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Those things with like it's like a little lacy chestnut ice cream or or, or a cake rather. I put a Mont Blanc and a, a mountain came up. <laughs> Amazing. Also famously a mountain. <laughs> Must be spelling it wrong. <laughs> okay, let's go to the dessert. I see. Ah yes, 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 yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like this constant back and forth motion. Uh, with that icing going, it's way too much icing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. just drenched. Okay, so to recap, Milky Mascot Girl, performative public announcements like the train being a second late, and the procedure of putting icing on a Mont Blanc cake, least queer to most queer, and why? Okay, let me think. Tell me when you're ready. I think I'm ready. Okay, Meng, least queer. Um, 
the procedure of putting eyes on Mont Blanc, hey? <laughs> because I don't get it, why it's queer. <laughs> okay, nothing about that reads as queer to you in any way. Not at all. Okay, it's not ringing your bell. It doesn't ring a bell, no. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Andrew, what about you? What's least queer? Um, hello. So we had the... Uh... Andrew's taking this very seriously. I think it's the Milky Girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> I noticed that so much. But the thought that came to mind was, because she's basic. She's, that's right. She's <laughs> thirsty, but she's basic. But that's all gay. Oh. Oh, did you say, but that's all gays? Thirsty and basic. Provocative. That's interesting. Interesting. That is, this is food for thought. That's this my YouTube channel, <laughs> Thirsty and Basic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll accept it though. So let's move on to Queerer. Back to Meng. Um, performative public announcement. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have to pick this one. I, I get it how gay it is because <laughs> I feel like I love to use lots of meme in my video editing. Okay. I feel like a lot of the memes are those kind of like performative public announcement. Yeah. Yeah, like in lots of TV shows where like, uh, what's the TV, like The Office where like those things, right? Like be like- Yes, it's extra. Yeah, very like extra, like unnecessary. I feel that's kind of, yeah. So I think it's middle gay, but like, so it comes to my f- number one choice is Milky <laughs> M- Mascot Girl. I feel that one's like super gay. Why? I don't know. It just that looks super gay. Like. It just, you know, like she's licking something. She's like, mm, it's yummy kind of face. Like, and she's trying to act cute and innocent. So like, it kind of like, I'm looking at myself. I feel like when I look at the milky mascot girl. Oh, you see yourself. I see myself. <laughs> okay. So that's my order. You do dress kind of like her. No, I don't. What, what is she dressing? I don't know. <laughs> It's like she's a little doily around her neck. Uh, well, actually, I'm a very like, uh, is it, there's a word in Japanese. It's called like uh, Adidas guy. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Adidas, right? Like the brand. So how is she like that? No, I think that, that he would say he's like that. He's like that. That's why he's not like, oh. that's why he's not like her. Because he's always yes. wearing it. Yeah. I'm not like her. Oh, I see. I see. There are no doilies on your little Adidas tracksuit. No, there's no. <laughs> okay. Not yet anyway. Okay. I got it. Great. Okay. So, so Meng has spilled it all back to Andrew. Yeah. Okay. So I think the middle one, the middle one, this is a hard one, I think is um, the Mont Blanc. And that the reason I say it's hard is because it seems like every picture is different. I'm looking at here and you have some things that are very stringy. And I think that that's not very gay. <laughs> it's not very gay to go like stringy in that way. So is the queer version like a just a thick glob? Yes, yes. Okay. So I'm looking at this right thing, the Mont Blanc log. And Ooh. it's like the gayest thing I've ever seen. It's like fucking piping on that <laughs> icing thick because a gay the gays like it thick. Yes. In in every sense of the word. So if it's more of the stringy type Mont Blancs, I'm not really feeling the queerness. Okay. But once I look at that thick piping, I think it's very, it's it's mid-range, mid-range gay. Okay, so it's all in the piping. You got to have a thick nozzle. You heard it from Andrew. Yes. So then moving to queerist. Is the performative announcements. And I think similar to Meng, but also a little bit different from Meng, is um, I think Meng's explanation is talking about, yeah, like Mimi and sort of like extra and over the top and kind of like empty and I'm reading it to it, but like empty and kind of like not much more than that. Okay. And I look at that as well as the performative aspect is the I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. 
Yes, I see what you're saying here. It's very fake. So I find performative, all of that stuff, all of it's very fake. It's very mean girls, right? Mm. It's very like, oh my oh. God, you just look so good. And then they walk away and I hate it. It's ugly, you know? Right. And I think that that's very, very gay. <laughs> it's like attention whore. Like always want, seeking for attention, right? Like I want to be the center of the universe. Like I am craving for attention. That's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That trained spokesperson was not actually sorry. They just wanted a moment to step up on a soapbox and peacock for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> She's not, she, she doesn't give a shit. She, she does not she care. Does not give, she does not care at all that the train was late. And I yeah. feel like that's just a lot of, that's very the queer at its best <laughs> is kind of that that fakeness there where, and they're really going to do it out there. Yeah. They're going to be performative and they're going to make you think they're going to walk up the bungee. Who the gives a shit about the train? Yes. Who cares? And good for you for taking your moment. Uh, little spokesperson. Good for you. So let's review for, first of all, I want to note that you guessed completely differently. So you have this nice opposite energy that, uh, you know, really carries over. I think that that's how our dynamic works on the channel mm-hmm. is we make sure both sides don't go too far in any way, you know, pull, pull each other back a little bit to each other's side. So I keep, I think it keeps a nice balance. Yes. But you can unite in your shared bottomness. Yeah. That's where the two (laughs) circles overlap. That's right. Right at the butt. Um, (laughs) So let me just check the marks. Okay. Check, check, check. Congratulations. You both got 100%, even though you guessed differently. And I do want to let you know that that means you are in fact, queer people so congratulations oh, oh yay. great <laughs> the results are in i learned something today i know the blood test results are back <laughs> uh, it was genetically coded yeah correct <laughs> bottom dna yeah bottom <laughs> dna before i let you go is there anything you both want to plug man go for it he's the plugger <laughs> shame shame <laughs> so we have a youtube channel called tokyo btm where we share our um gay life in tokyo so if you're interested, definitely follow our channel and follow us on Instagram. Yes, do that. Follow them now. They have more than 41,000 subscribers. No big deal. And the videos, you know, even if you've never been to Japan, even if you are not a professed bottom, there are a lot of things you can find and enjoy in these videos. There's all sorts of stuff and it's a lot of fun. And you get to see the people you've been listening to and you can see if you pictured them the way they actually look. Yay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. There was, you you didn't have to say anything back. So uh, I want to thank you so much because I was very, as you could probably hear, tired, but also very queer when this conversation started. And talking to you, big old bottoms, has made me queerer than ever. Well, next time you come to Japan, you'll have to stop by and we'll see how queer you can get. Shame, shame. Booking that Air Canada ticket now, boo. (laughs) Okay, you guys take care of yourselves. All right, you too. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much. Okie dokie smokey. So that is our show. As always, you can email me at youmademequeer at gmail.com. It's my email. It's my inbox. And I'll cry if I want to. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this show. Your subscriptions, ratings, and reviews are like uh, little pellets that come from that little hamster food dispenser. And each one gives me a sweet hit of protein. And also, please, 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 if you want to, buy your ticket to You Made Me Queer Live at Comedy Bar on Thursday, December 2nd at 8 p.m. We still have some tickets left. That's why I'm telling you about them. But I cannot promise there will be tickets at the door because we are selling out 
fairly steadily. So if you want to come, do me and you a favor and buy your ticket in advance. That's enough. So, cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created, produced, and edited by me, Trevor Campbell. Our theme song is by Critty. For more for music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday. And from the bottom of my big bent heart, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm in love with you. And remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.